some may find the following disturbing. Discretion is advised. Welcome, everyone, to another edition of Gabriel Talks Football. My name is Aldo Gandia, and I'd like to start off on a personal note. Last night, I lost my father-in-law, Charles Schur, a great man. He passed away at the age of 90. He, uh, he and his wife, Rosemary, who passed away two years ago, raised three magnificent young ladies, uh, one of them my wife, and uh, we our thoughts are with you, Charles. Uh, we will see you up there soon. Uh, and as for what the topic at hand is today, we're going to talk about Justin Fields, the Chicago Bears, the mounting injuries. What can we expect moving forward? And you don't want to hear it from me. You want to hear it from this gentleman here. His name <laughs> is Craig Gabriel. Greg, how are you, my friend? I'm doing good, but my condolences, my friend. Thank you. I appreciate that very much. Um, got to gotta talk to you about uh, this injury for Justin Fields. You've been uh, you've seen a lot of injured football players in your days. What do you make of this uh, potential dislocation? There are various competing news reports saying one's a dislocation, one's saying it's not a dislocation. What are your thoughts on this whole thing? Uh, I don't know. I mean, you're saying, let me, when you see that, that to me looks like more of a separation than a dislocation. Mm -hmm. um, just watching the way he fell. And a lot of people think they're similar and they're not. And I've had two separations um, and they are painful. It makes it very difficult to bring that arm up, mm -hmm. you know, cause it gets real sore, but you can play through it. it, it and, you know, I, I did mine back in the, in the seventies, once in college and once when I was playing minor league football. And back then they did surgery on that injury. They seldom do surgery. Now they let it heal. Um, you know, I had a thing, what they called a resection, where they they cut off the tip of your clavicle where it meets in the AC joint, and then it's just basically floating there free. I did it with my, my right shoulder. Um, now that, like I say, they, they uh, just leave it alone, and it comes back together, calcifies, and, and, and it's good to go. Players have played through it. It can be very painful to play through. But you can play now. If it's a dislocation, different story. Depends how severe the dislocation is. Uh, did it pop back in? Did they have to? You know, sometimes they pop back in on their own. Uh, did they have to pop it in themselves? Um, you know what happened? And an MRI would tell you this. You know, uh, was there any ligament tears or anything like of that nature? So. You know, I don't think we're going to know much until tomorrow. If you see him end up on IR tomorrow, you know he's going to miss a minimum of four games. Um, you know, just listening, and I didn't listen to all of – I probably listened to the first half of Flusa's press conference yesterday, but it, it's uh, – he it was like he always is. He's vague. He said the injury report will come out Wednesday, and that's because, you know, the Jets are sitting here um, – Today is is the day you really put that game start to put that game plan last night and today put that game plan together 
mm-hmm. for the players to start practicing tomorrow. And, you know, it, it um, let them prepare for two different quarterbacks. Because I can guarantee you, the offense is going to be a lot different mm-hmm. if Simeon is – uh, playing quarterback versus Justin Fields. And I, I wrote this in Windy City Gridiron yesterday. I would think that rushing attempts would drop by a minimum of 15. Okay. First of all, all those all those rushes that, that Fields has are going away. Right. And now from the defensive standpoint, they can say, okay, we can we can put eight in the box and try to stop the run and make them throw. You know, so I I and and Flus alleviated to it a little bit yesterday. You know, he said, somebody asked the question, you know, what are you going to do different if you can't play? He goes, well, we revert back to what we did before that, that mini buy. So I, I think you can, if Trevor Simeon's going to be the quarterback, I think you can see them going back to more of a Green Bay style offense. They're still going to be heavy with the run. Right. But but the defense, the Jets defense, obviously, isn't going to have to worry about a guy making plays with his feet at the quarterback position. Mm-hmm. But my gut feeling is they're going to list him as questionable all week and keep the Jets guessing. I'm almost um, excited about the possibility of seeing a different quarterback run Luke Getze's offense, not – uh, because I expect better results, but I want to see what, uh, assuming that Trevor Simeon is going to release the ball faster than Justin Fields, which is probably the biggest complaint I have of him as a young quarterback. He holds on to the ball a little bit, and that's been creating some of the sacks. Um, I, I'd like to see Trevor Simeon in a pro game with pro starters uh, around him. Uh, uh, run. Well, he's, not, he's done it before. He's had starts in the league before. Right. Um, I mean, he he is the perfect guy that you want as a backer up on on your football team at the quarterback position. He's a smart kid. He doesn't have a cannon like uh, Justin Fields has, and he obviously doesn't have the athletic ability. There's only a couple quarterbacks in the league that even come close to having that kind of athletic ability. So it, it, it'll be, you know, from the standpoint of preparation, and, and the preparation works on both ways because the Jets aren't com- uh, committing to Wilson being the quarterback. Oh my God. So that means you got to prepare for him and you got to prepare for Joe Flacco or yeah. the other guy. Right. And, and uh, White, I think his name is. And, and so, um, you know, both teams are kind of got to sit back and do a little extra homework as they prepare for Sunday's game. Mm-hmm. And T3P podcast is right. Holding the ball does make plays. I mean, I think that's a big part of Aaron Rodgers' success, his escapability in the pocket and uh, and allowing receivers to get open. But at the same time, um, it also, you know, there were a, a few seasons where Aaron Rodgers was the most sacked player in the National Football League. So it comes with its own uh, negatives. Um Regarding the play calling late in the game, I I don't like to question play calling uh, because there's so much that goes into the preparation of play calling. There's so much, so many things going on in the silence and so forth. But for the first time this season, I really did question Luke Getze's play calling of run plays for Justin Fields. Did you get that same impression? Well, I I thought they'd do something, and and, and I'm guessing here, but. You know, you're thinking, well, the defense thinks we're going to throw, so we're going to run. 
and maybe we can knock the big one. And if they do, let's say, you know, Fields is able to pick up 20 on that first down. It's all hypothetical. We're all throwing, you know, darts at the wall. Mm-hmm. Oh, then it's a great play call. Mm-hmm. But it didn't work. And so it's a lousy play call. And so, you know, and then what, what, what if he threw a pass over the middle and it was incomplete? Why didn't you run with Justin Fields? You're in a no-win situation because <laughs> no matter what happens, there's going to be, you know, a segment of fans that are uh, going to complain about it. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's like being a baseball manager where you're being critiqued for the lineup you put in, uh, whether it was a hit and run or not. Should you have had the player steal? Uh, offensive coordinators go through that every week as well. But I am interested in uh, in seeing how this offense could react with a traditional pocket passer. Uh, so that might be interesting. And I and frankly, you know, this this is a lost season in terms of the playoffs. Now what we're into is player evaluation. So uh, is that fair to say, Greg? Yeah, I think so. But they, they're still trying to create that culture. They want to win. And hey, we both know. We've watched every one of these games. You turn a couple plays around and this team's six and four or seven and three, mm-hmm. you know, or something like that. And, and, and instead of sitting where they are right now. So uh, part of it's officiating, part of it's just a play going the other way. So I'm not sitting here saying that this is a good football team. Mm-hmm. They got a long way to go, mm-hmm. but it's a lot better than most three win football teams that you look at. I mean, they every game is close. There's only one game where they lost by a lot and that was Dallas. Right. Right. And, and even then, you know, if the defense was, would have made some corrections earlier on, it could have been a lot closer game. It could have been as, yeah, no, they, the second half was a lot different than the first half, yeah, but you throw it every game. They're in a chance and, and three out of the last four games, they have an opportunity to win the game in the last drive, mm-hmm. you know, for, for, and, and things didn't work out for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I, you know me, I'm the eternal optimist. The glass is always half full. Mm-hmm. And so, and I'm, and I'm going to stay that way, you know, and, and I'm not going to question Getsy's play going. Hey, last week, that's all you hear about. Is he going to be a head coach next year? So now, you know, you know, so now he's a fucking bum. Come on. Uh, Yeah, you are so right. (laughs) He was, oh, we're going to lose him. Who's going to replace him? He's going to go to this team or that team. And now it's like, you know, come on. You know, there's one thing that you can be assured of in this city mm-hmm. and that's overreaction to everything <laughs> yes uh chris watts has a great question here chris of the Barflight tailgate show he asks, would you say this is a better team compared to this time last year um without question right <laughs> they, they they you know what they play with a lot of enthusiasm they play hard there's no quit. Now they don't. Hey, let's be honest. They don't. They don't have very many playmakers. They traded away their two best playmakers on defense. Mm-hmm. Okay, and 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 that hurts. That has hurt the pass rush. And I, we might have talked about this last week, but you take Quinn away, and it just makes it that much easier for the offense to prepare. You had to prepare to block Quinn. 
And that freed up other people to make plays. Mm -hmm. Since he's been gone, I don't know if they got a freaking sack from a defensive lineman. Yeah, I mean, I think it, it's Joquan Brisker, and that's about it. Yeah, no, it, it, and part of that is the fact that, that Quinn isn't here. Uh, I, I think they've made up for Roquan a little bit. Uh, Sam Bourne's making some plays, but nobody makes as many plays as Roquan. You know, but Sam Bourne's a rookie. So, you know, and and in time he may. So uh, I'm not that worried about that position. Uh, the secondary's still been, been banged up a little bit. I don't think uh, Jalen Johnson is quite 100%. Uh, but you know, it, it's disappointing in that you want the team to win, but then, you know, the former college director in me is saying, well, okay, you're going to get a good pick. And, you know, so it's just, what, what's that pick going to be? And, it, and it, I'll tell you, and I'm going off topic a little bit here. Sure. You, I start seeing all these mock drafts and people start, you know, putting you know, because they're going to pick third or fourth or something, and they're putting this guy in and this guy in. And then I see some of the names that they got in the fourth round, the fifth round, the sixth round. Going, I've done these guys. They get, they're getting drafted way before then. <laughs> you know, it's like, what do they think? All these, these teams are stupid. And, <laughs> you know, they don't know how good some of these football players are. Um, you know, so like like the uh, the, the center from – from University of Minnesota. His name is Schmitz. And he's from down, and he's from a local kid. He's from Flossmore. Mm -hmm. And uh, he's a little overage. He's 20, he'll be a 24 year old rookie. Easily the best center in the country. And I saw two different mocks had him going in the third. There's no way he goes in the third unless he has a horrible workout and people want to hold 24 against him. But Kyle Long went the first round. He was 25. Mm. That's. Uh, um... Uh, a, a remarkable thing there. I got to tell you, we're getting some great questions here. So I'm going to sneak in a couple because they're going to all pile up on me. Uh, Free Palestine asked the question, does Greg agree with the media on the Bears need to win to help develop the players? And you just talked about building a winning culture. So, but what happens? Yeah, I think, you do, I, I think you got to win some games. I mean, be, you know what it is? You got to learn how to win. And and Flew said it yesterday. He didn't, and, and I, he said the word. And that's all I needed was the word. And the word was finish. Mm -hmm. They haven't been able to finish. Early in the season, they weren't finishing drives. Now they're finishing drives. Okay, now you got to finish a game. Mm -hmm. and, yeah. and that's going to make the whole situation that much better. I don't care what they're, you know, I go back. I said, seven, eight wins on the year. That's still possible. Mm -hmm. um, if, if Fields is lost for any amount of time, that changes that. But then, you know, then you're looking at, okay, the old proverb of wait till next year. So, uh, but I, I think next year looks promising. Yeah, indeed. Uh, there was a uh, question about Jaquan Brisker uh, potentially winning the uh, defensive player of the year. And Mr. Inglewood pointed out there is a guy named Sauce Gardner out there uh, who will uh, probably win the award. But I do want to talk about Jaquan Brisker. I mean, this guy has first round talent. There's no doubt about it. Yep. He was, he was uh, underdrafted and uh, 
he he's not only uh, playing well on the field, but his comments to reporters it makes it sound that this guy is ready-made to be a leader in this team. He talked about the sacks that Justin Fields was get, was taking on, and he was very eloquent in, in saying that, you know, perhaps he should be getting the benefit of the doubt like some of these other more veteran quarterbacks are getting. Jaquan Brisker uh, is, is a starting point when – uh, looking at the defense and what you have to do during the offseason, don't you think? Oh, absolutely. I, and I think that he will become a, a leader. Uh, it, it, it's tough for a, a rookie to have seen that role. Are we having trouble with the audio in this? Um, there's been a, just a couple of little lags, but overall it's okay. Yeah, okay. Because okay. I'm hearing stuff in my, in my headphones every once in a while. Anyway, the, uh, you know, I, I think Brisker's a, a great player. Could he have gone in the first round? Yes, that, that's after talk. You know, but when you look at the value of the position, how many safeties go in the first round? And, it, and it's not a position that generally is drafted that high. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I am told now that uh, there is a bit of an echo, and that sometimes tends to come and go uh, when you're on Wi-Fi or or whatever. So we'll we'll battle through it, and uh, it'll probably leave in, in just a minute or so. Now I'll, I'll press some buttons here to see if that helps. Um, but uh, getting back to this defense, so because to me this is the, the first place you've got to start during the off season, so you can address some of these concerns. Because the points that are being put up are are enough to win most football games. You know, when you look at the last four games, the team is averaging around thirty points per game, but they're losing. Um, clearly, you know the pass rush is a problem, and uh, and some more depth at some of the other positions. Well, the pass, the, the lack of a pass rush hurts the secondary. And then they get, you know, the quarterback's got a lot of time to make throws. And, and how long can you ask a guy to cover? Right. You know, a, a reliable NFL receiver. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of the guys that I've looked at and I've been impressed with, but uh, Jordan and Danny Shimon are, <clears throat> don't think he's a good fit is Will Anderson. Uh, Jordan says Will is a l- bit light in the pants and does better on the shade of a man, but make no mistake, he can play in an even front. Uh, have you taken a good hard look at Will Anderson? What are your thoughts? No, I, I, like, I like Will Anderson. And he's not having the dominant season that he had a year ago. But the talent is still there. And, and those guys who come out of Alabama have been well coached. And for the most part, they're pretty tough. But there, there's another guy, though, and, and it really depends on where, you know, they, they get uh, – where they're choosing it, what their selection order is. It's uh, Tyree Wilson for Texas Tech, who is an underclassman, just declared the other day, Got dinged up in their game last weekend, so he's not going to play this week. He's already hung it up for the season. But this guy is a he's a six six guy. He's about two seventy, and he can run like a deer. Real long arms. Got a lot of pass rush potential coming off the edge. Um, and Jake wants to know your thoughts on Jalen Carter. Well, Jalen Carter would step in and be your th- actually. He can play either of the the defensive tackle positions. And I think Jones can do the same thing. So uh, Carter, he's a bitch. 
you know, but he's had some injury issues, and and so then the medical comes into play. But before you even get into that, and I agree with you, I I think that uh, um, defense will be where they go in the draft, but that's assuming they address some things in free agency. And, you know, there's guys out there right now that you think are going to be free agents that may re-sign with their team between now and the start of free agency. They might get tagged or whatever, so you just don't know for sure. But, you know, if there was – I I think they got to attack the defensive line without question. And, you know, there's four guys that you could – put down as, as potential free agents, whether they make it there or not remain to be seen. We've already talked about some of these guys. You got Javon Hargrove from Philly, um, Deron Payne from Washington, Sheldon Rankins from New Orleans, Draymond Jones from Denver. And and I don't know as much Sheldon Rankins. I haven't watched this year, so I don't know how he's played this year, but I know he was highly thought of coming out and he played real real well early in his career, but I'm just throwing that name out because I recognize the name from before. I have to go back, and I haven't studied New Orleans at all. Javon Hargrove is probably the best, and is, and I love Deron Payne, and Deron Payne can play either position. But the only thing with Hargrove, yes, he's going to cost a lot of money. He's also going to be 30 next year, and mm-hmm. so does 30 figure into the equation Right. of the football team that Ryan Poles wants to put together. Mm. Yeah, I, and I think also um, a part of what's been lost on many fans is the play of Justin Jones at the, at that three-tech, that defensive tackle position. He really has played very well. A lot of people look at the sack totals and tackles and stuff, and, oh, he's not doing anything. He's but... getting a lot of tackle for losses now. Yeah. He, no, but, and, and he's come on, and he did not play in this type of scheme before, so it, it, it took him – you know, he had the physical attributes to play the position. It's now learning how to play within that scheme. And I'll be honest, he's, he's kind of surprised me because it seems like every week he makes a couple plays that jump out at you. Right. But he still ain't no Tommy Harris now. Mm-hmm. And, and to me, that's, you know, you got to go back and, and that's the guy, you mm-hmm. know. So you want somebody like that. And, and uh, uh, they're hard to find. you got to find the right traits. It's not like you can just take a defensive lineman. A guy may be a great defensive lineman in college, but he's just not a fit mm-hmm. to play in this, at least play the three in this scheme. He might be able to play the other defensive tackle position, but to play the three, you've got to have some special traits. And, and you know, you look at free agency, those four names I mentioned, those are guys who could probably play the three in this scheme. And if they are available, I am assuming they're going to try to get a deal with one of those guys. Yeah. Um, but then you look at the uh, the defensive ends, and I, I don't know if the quality – there's some names there that got a chance, but do you want to spend a lot of money on, on some of those guys? And and you might end up overpaying, and, and names I'm looking at are Dwayne Smoot with Jacksonville, Samson Ekubon, who is with uh, San Francisco now, used to be with the Rams – uh, Rashawn Grant with Houston, who's a little bit bigger guy, you know, so it's, it's, they're good football players. They're going to make the bears better, but what are they going to cost? 
Yes, exactly. You know, and, and, and that's the key. And, you know, if you get them at the right price, okay, fine. But if you got to overpay to get them, mm-hmm. exactly. you know, and, and, and that's going to be the tough part. And, and, you know, not a lot of say, I mean, technically it's illegal, but you want to start getting, you know, figuring some of the stuff out right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think one of the, one of the goals for Ryan Poles is to manage the cap better than previous administrations have with the Chicago Bears. I would not at all be surprised if Michael McCaskey, uh, uh, Michael McCaskey, George McCaskey said uh, to Poles, listen, you know, I don't mind spending money, but let's spend it wisely. You know, look at where we are with all this dead cap money that Ryan Pace has left us. And I got no, I only got one playoff out of it. Can you, and will you do a better job managing the salary cap? Uh, do you think that that kind of conversation perhaps happened with the bears administration and their G- new GM? Yeah, I think it, it, it is played into it, but at the same time, you know, Ryan had a decision to make. He could have gone with some of these guys, and maybe the team on the field would have been a little better. Yes. But then he's still stuck with them, and you're, you got some age there. And I think he made a decision. I don't see these guys being a part of the long-term plan that he's trying to put together. Mm-hmm. So you cut bait, yeah. It, it hits you in the salary cap, but you could afford to do it this year. Mm-hmm. So th- this year is a, a, it's just a lay the foundation year. And, and, you know, fans don't want to hear that, but sometimes that's what you got to do. You got to take a step back to make, take a step forward. You know, and I think people still bitch about the offensive line and I'm going to sit here and I, I, I think that really they're one player away and, and on the offensive line. And the reason I say that is there still hasn't been a game. There's been one quarter of one game mm-hmm. when what was supposed to be the starting offensive line is played together. Mm-hmm. And that was also with Larry Borum playing the right tackle and then he gets dinged up. Riley Reefs in there now. Riley's playing better than Borum. And I think what we found out because they haven't inserted Borum back in is that Borum has probably hit a ceiling. Mm-hmm. You know, that's part of the evaluation process. Remember, we've talked about it before. You want to see the arrow keep going up. Sometimes they hit a plateau. But once they hit that plateau, you want to see them to start climbing the steps some more. Well, in, in Borum's case, that hasn't happened. He hit the plateau, and, and he might not be able to get any better. Uh, you're going to hope he does. But I think realistically, you've got to say he's a backup. Mm-hmm. And so now you got to go out. The, the, I think the position you got to get is a right tackle, because I think Braxton Jones isn't going to be just a good left tackle. I think he's going to be an excellent left tackle, and uh, he's just got to go through the growing pains. and And when you watch him closely, he gets better every single week. Mm-hmm. And you know, he comes back next year. He's going to have that confidence of growing. A lot of the mistakes he made early in the year, he's not going to have those next year. He's got a year under his belt. Plus, he's going to have a year in an NFL weight room where any strength deficiencies that he has, and I think he's got to improve some lower body strength and bulk, you know, that's going to be taken care of in the offseason program. And he knows that. So, um, and I'm, I'm not worried about Patrick. I think Patrick's going to be the center. We'll find out if he 
starts practicing. He's eligible to start practicing again this week and come off. Um, it, it, and if that's the case, you know, maybe he's back at center this week. And, and you've got, say, four out of five people playing at, playing on the offensive line, and you got a, a, a true indication of what Patrick can do if he, in fact, is able to play this week. But, you know, if you look at, at, at free agency, there's, there's some decent right tackles that could be out there. Mm-hmm. And, and none of them are old. You know, you got some guys right at the right age, 27, 28 years old. The oldest, I think, is Jack Conklin. He's 28 right now. Mm-hmm. So he'll be 29 next year. You got Mike McGlinchey from San Francisco, former number one pick. Um, you know, he'd be like coming home. He's an East Coast kid. He's from Philly, but he'd be you know, all those Notre Dame guys there. He'd be like going home. Okay. Um, you know, there's one guy kind of interesting. I don't know if he's a complete fit because I haven't studied him since he came out. Uh, but he's been a decent player, Jawan Taylor with Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. But he's a big mammoth right tackle. Uh, and then there's uh, uh, Elgin Jenkins with Green Bay, who could play just about any position on the line. Yes, indeed, he's a, he's a special player. He gets injured a, bit, a little bit too much for my. That, well, that that's that's a worry part. Yeah, you yeah. know, is that the durability factor? All right, boy, oh boy, uh, lots and lots of great uh, questions and comments here. I've got over a dozen highlighted. Let's get through a, a few of these. Um, Jordan asked a question about the Notre Dame player, Isaiah Foskey. Uh, he knows that you love watching Notre Dame games. What do you think about this young player? You know, Foskey started off – I thought he was going to have a great, great year. He started off a little slow. And then the last six games, he has really played well. In fact, I thought early on he played himself out of the first round. Mm-hmm. Now he might have played himself back in. Mm-hmm. I think he's got nine sacks on the year. Uh, he can play the run. He's very, very athletic. He about 6'5", 265, uh, can run like hell, uh, easily a fit in, in this system. But he's not a guy that you're going to – I mean, there's a chance he could be there when it's all said and done the second round because he didn't play as well in the, in the first. But, I mean, he's not a guy you're going to take in the top ten He's the guy that you would, uh, well, you'd hope would be there in the second, the second round, depending on how it all drops. And, and we'll have a better idea about that, you know, a few months from now. Mm-hmm. But I, I call those guys trade down guys. Okay. <laughs> you know, so, okay, I, I, I move out. I, I got the fifth pick and I move out of the fifth pick and I drop down 10 spots. And now who enters the pitcher? And that's all part of the, the equation when you're, when you're figuring out whether to trade down. Okay, who am I going to – if I trade down X amount of spots, what am I going to be looking at? There you go. Um, a question here about Larry Borum that I'd like to uh, add to that. C.J. Williams asks, could the side of the line affect the evaluation of Larry Borum? I will go a step further and say, will he, could he become a better guard than we've seen from him at the tackle position? Yeah, I I don't think I can answer that only because I've never seen him play guard. Yeah, yeah. Everything I saw from him at Missouri was a tackle. Everything I've seen from him here has been at at, at tackle. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I thought, based on last year, what you saw a little bit early this year, was that he had a bright future. But then he's like I said, 
he's hit the wall. Mm-hmm. And is, is he hit his ceiling? Is he as good as he's going to get? Or is there still room for improvement? The coaching staff's going to know that. They work with the guy every day. Mm-hmm. I'm, you know, on the outside looking in, I think he may have hit a ceiling. Yeah. Interesting. And I know that he has suffered his second uh, concussion in his second year. And that to me is always a concern because perhaps the player is a little bit worried about that ringing in his ears, you know, the, uh, uh, the, the pain in his, the back of his neck or something like that. And that could impact play. Right. Oh, I, you know, the, I think they think about it a lot more than when I was playing football. Because mm-hmm. I know I had a half a dozen, and I probably had a couple more than that. <laughs> and, and maybe that's what's wrong with me. I don't know. I don't know why we're laughing at that, but <laughs> but it does sound funny. Maybe that explains some of your behavior on social media. <laughs> uh, all right. Um, and by the way, somebody asked a question about that. Maybe this is the time to uh, inquire. Do you want to talk at all about uh, Creighton Wolfong asked, what's up with the guy on Twitter, the scouter or something? Uh, you made an apology yesterday for something that went no, I was in it. No, he, is it, he, I don't know if he is currently in the league. I got a suspicion who it is. Mm-hmm. You know, he's got uh, his, his account name is, is – uh, not angry scouter, yeah, angry scouter right. something like that. Right. Okay, he he does work in the league or did work in the league. Okay, I in fact I, I got a call because I was going back and forth with him um, during the snowstorm a week a week and a half ago, and he said I have a feeling who it is, and, we, and I said I do too, and I'll give you the name, and we both had the same name. Interesting, so, yeah. So, and I don't want to say the name. Sure. Uh, but, you know, he, I said to the guy, and, and the, the agent who called me laughed at the one line I said, I said, it's three o'clock central time and you're playing around on Twitter. Why aren't you out, out watching practice? <laughs> you, know, you know, I know what it's like making a school call, you know, the timetable, you know, and you get to three o'clock and you're going out. Or three thirty, you're going out on the field, and if you're not on the field, you're talking to the coaches or talking to the trainer and the strength coach. Mm-hmm. You know, your your time is is very tight because you don't have multiple days to get a school call done. Sometimes you got one at max two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I didn't follow the brouhaha very closely, but it, it did. Uh, I, I got the impression from one of your tweets that he was making disparaging comments about all-star football games. And well, he, what he is, is, is is the league has basically taken away their back backing from the senior bowl and put it at the East-West game. Okay. Okay, so he's taken exception to that. Oh. And, and, and so he has come out and literally lied, saying that we're playing players. And, and for people who don't know, I'm on the, the board of advisors for the East-West. And, and, you know, I do a lot of work studying players to get invited to that game. But nobody's getting paid for that. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's, uh, it's the same as any other game. But the difference is this year where, the, you know, the Senior Bowl always had the um a full or two full NFL coaching staffs. Right. No longer. The East West had the coaching staffs. Oh wow. 
where yeah. the senior bowl is going to have NFL coaches, but they might have one coach from the Bears, one coach from TB, and, and you know there'll be a bunch, bunch of different coaches from uh, different teams throughout the league, and maybe even a couple of college coaches thrown in too. Um, it's still going to they're going to still because of their tradition probably still get the better roster this year, mm-hmm. but the league. And money talks, and you know, money talks, bullshit walks. The league is putting their money on the East West game. Interesting. And, and so they want to tie it in with the Pro Bowl activities. That's why it's out in Vegas. But this guy who's sitting there taking shots at Eric Galco, who's a good friend of mine and runs the East West game uh, and, and done a superb job. But the, But the stuff he says is just totally false. There's not one bit of truth. And what he said. Very interesting. All right, let's get back to some of these questions. Uh, Jake asks, "What do you think about the Clemson defensive lineman Brice and Murphy?" Bracey, I think you say his name, and, and Murphy. I, I'm not told that Bracey's a fit. You know, in, in this scheme, in the Bears scheme, I, I think he could play the the nose or the one technique. You don't have a pure nose. I. I'm not sure he could be a three-tech. Uh, Murphy's a pretty good player. Is he the dynamic pass rusher that you got to have in this game? You know, so um, he's going to go high. I like him. I don't love him. And, again, it, it, it's more, you know, if he was in a different scheme, he might be a better fit. All right, next question here is from uh, Michael. Did we use up too much of our draft capital getting Chase Claypool? Oh, here we go. (laughs) To be able to trade for a disgruntled or overplayed player on another team that we could really use? We have a lot. I wrote about that yesterday. Uh Okay. Okay. And and we've talked about that. And people want instant gratification on a trade like that. And with an offensive lineman and with a defensive lineman, you can get it. In this offense with a wide receiver, it takes time. And we've, you know, we've talked about it probably three different times on the show. The offense, first of all, the, the, the quarterback and, and, and the wide receiver got to be in sync with each other. But the receivers got to make side adjustment based on what the defense is doing, what the coverage is, what they see in coverage. And not only do they got to make that adjustment, they got to do it at full speed. And until they feel really comfortable in doing that, and then they're on the same page with the quarterback, it takes time. You can't, you don't trust them 100%. So what you're doing is you're setting up small packages for the guy. It's going to be, the fact that they gave up a second round pick for him, they're, they're thinking about this in the long haul for the long run, not, not just for this year. And I, I don't think in all honesty, it's next year when you see him break out within this scheme, mm-hmm. full camp, full knowledge of the playbook and, uh, and lots of other surrounding pieces. Yeah. You know, I told you, I, although I, I talked to a guy who's worked in the system still does yeah. for a number of years. And he just says, Greg, it's fucking hard. <laughs> you know, and, and 
that that team made some trades because people couldn't make those adjustments quick enough. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, Jordan has a question about a, uh, is there a particular draft prospect or free agent player? You've already gone through the free agent players, but uh, let's stick just to the draft prospects that you have reviewed, Greg, that you've become smitten with or have an affinity towards. No, not yet. I, I Because, you know, I've written up for that one group I'm doing stuff for, uh, you know, well over 200 reports. But what I haven't done is put it together and kind of ranked them because I'm literally doing two to three guys every single day. And what I got to do for these people is, is, you know, slap an area of the draft where I think they're going to get drafted. I see him as a day one guy, a day two guy, a day three guy type of thing. But I haven't, you know, sat back and say, okay, this guy's better than this guy. This guy's better than that guy and, and put them in any order. There's guys I like. There's a lot of guys that I really like. And, and when I look at them, I'm thinking, you know, are they, are they fits for the scheme? And there's a guy this morning, a safety from Minnesota. This guy's a hell of a player. This team's already got some pretty good safeties, and I hadn't done them before. And he's a local kid. He's from St. Charles. Mm-hmm. Um, a question just came in. Uh, local players are, are great. We need more local players on the Bears so they understand how badly we need to beat the Chicago uh, Green Bay Packers. Um, CJ wants to know about the defensive back that was recently acquired. He was a third-round draft pick. I, I think it was the Vikings or who drafted him, Justin Lane. Um, I don't know much about him. Yeah. Um, he, I mean, a third round draft pick and he's already on his third team. So there's something is wrong, but uh, hopefully, you, you know, I, I, I've said this a number of times too. And, and it, when there's guys you like going into the draft, it, you know, and, and maybe you want to draft him, maybe you want to sign him as a free agent or whatever. And so when they become available, you're going to take a chance. And, and we used to say, Hey, I want to be the guy to cut him. I want to, you know, and I want to find out what's wrong. So you're going to keep giving guys like that a chance. You're going to have, you know, maybe, maybe they'll figure it out in one or two weeks. Maybe it's going to take them to the end of the season. Uh, and, and, you know, to, to know if he has got the skill set, you know, to play within this scheme. Mm hmm. All right, we got a lot of other great questions here. Chris wants to know, I think we've talked about this a little bit in the past, but how honest our college coaches are about, you know, the player that you're scouting. So when you go to a college campus, are there some coaches that you know, oh, this guy never gives me the straight dope on his players? <laughs> well, I can tell you, we, we could spend the rest of the show on that one. <laughs> let's let's dedicate uh, an episode to that in the offseason. Uh, it's, you know what, and, and – when I was running the scouting department here, our scouts never left their area. Okay, so they had X amount of schools. Uh, they went to those same schools year after year after year. They developed relationships. Okay, so if I'm new going into school X, say I go to Ohio State and they, they got uh, the, the pro liaison talks, I don't know if this guy's giving me straight stuff or he's full of it you know the company line mm-hmm. because you don't know the guy you know it's it sometimes takes a couple of years 
to find out who are the straight shooters, who you can trust. And then, and, and to add to that, it's you're going to the school a lot because, you know, you're going maybe a couple times during the fall. You're going in the spring for the pro day. Uh, you're making calls during the course of the year, during the summer. You're finding out not only on the coaching staff, but on the support staff, who can I go to that's going to shoot me straight? Okay, so it could be the strength coach. It could be the trainer. It could be an assistant coach. Some of the best it has nothing to do with football, but they give you great answers. The academic advisor. He's a guy who gets them through. You know, he's, he's a lazy son of a bitch, you know. And, and you know, he's the guy that, that can give you some answers because he's not, you know, sometimes the coaches are told by the head coach, you know, shoot him straight. He's a great kid. You know, a lot of times you tell, oh, he's a great kid, no problems, great family. And then you're doing the background check, and he had two arrests in high school and, uh, you know, had a horrible home life and stuff like that. So it, it, it's just it's knowing who you're talking to, who you can trust, who you can't trust, and it takes time. Yeah, okay, good good response to that. Um, let's see. Um, we kind of covered this one from Michael. Should we be seeing Jenkins at tackle and Borum at guard? But – I think the bigger question is, do you think that there's a chance if things work out between whatever might be going on between the coaching staff and Tevin Jenkins, do you think there's a chance that we could see Jenkins move back to the tackle position? I, I, I think he's turning into one of the best guards in football. Why would you want to move him now? I'm with you. I'm with you. you know, and, and so it's like he found a home. Mm -hmm. uh, I'll tell you, I, I didn't like what Flew said after the game when he said Tevin came to them and said, Hey, I, I just, I'm not ready to go. Now maybe that's exactly what they want the kid to say, mm -hmm. you know, be honest. I can play, but I'm going to be at 75%. I'm not going to be at hundred percent and you might be better off using this guy, mm -hmm. you know? And, and, and if that's the case, good, then I'm all for it. But you know, sometimes you got to gut it out and, and it depends, you know, if it's a hip injury and that hurts his movement skills, and that's part of his game, then, yeah, then you got to go with Schofield. But, you know, from what I've seen from Schofield, he's just not good enough. Hmm. If I had a nickel, Greg, for every time I've heard the name Dieter Iceland when we do these shows, <laughs> I'd have enough money to restock my booze. Hey, all that, this is his third year here, <laughs> and he never plays. Now, what's that tell you? <laughs> There's a reason for that. <laughs> okay. Um, he, he's good enough to get in the conversation, mm -hmm. and it might end there. Yeah, I mean, I, I I would love to see him play just so that we, you know, some of the people well, he does. who are he plays in the preseason, right, right, and and he's done a fair job, but you got to consider the competition, and, yeah. and so forth. And correct me if I'm wrong, uh, Greg. Every practice is videotaped. The scout teams are videotaped. And so you see the performance by these backup players and you make a determination and the position coach will say, oh, Dieter's playing really, really well now. So if we need him out there, we can throw him out there. Or he was saying, you know, there's no, there's no progress or, or whatever on this particular player. Everything is taped from the beginning of practice to the end of practice every single day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean that's okay. that's part yeah, of the evaluation. Exactly. Yeah, and and you you look at all of it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> all right. Um, 
let's see the cj's got thoughts on tevin not, oh you, you talked about that tevin not playing this week you know i i think that was really good on his part to to, to be honest you know the- I, yeah i just to me it, it, there's a little bit of a red flag and i already addressed it right. but um put it this way they're gonna it, it, if there's no issues this weekend and starting then then it was nothing. It was, he wasn't a hundred percent and they felt that they had to go with the other guy. Mm-hmm. It is uh, going to be one of the mysteries of the 2022 season is what exactly is going on uh, in Tevin Jenkins head. Uh, and is he some sort of a problem? Michael uh, is asking, isn't it better to draft tackles than move them to guard? Yeah, easier said than done. Yeah. It, it can be a very successful way of doing things, but you got to, it's what are you asking the people to do within your, your okay so and th- this is basically an, an outside zone scheme and so you're all your guys across the board have to be athletic have to be able to play in space so you know there's guys that you just don't they could be great football players but they're not fits because they can't play in space the way they need to play in space within this game. Now, you look at some of the, the stuff, uh, Braxton Jones, Tevin Jenkins, perfect example. When they get out in space, they bury people. Mm-hmm. You know, they can adjust on the move to hit a moving target. And that's not an easy thing to do for a guy that's 315, 320 pounds. Mm-hmm. You got to be, you know, you got to have the body control to break down in space and have a constructive block on a guy smaller, quicker, and faster than you and, and clear the way. So it, it's um, – Trent Williams last night was, was doing that on many plays. He was, he was outstanding. But it it's really is – that's why, I, you know, I mentioned that, that one name that's on there, and I haven't really watched him in, in a couple of years, the offensive tackle from uh, – Jacksonville, Jawan Taylor. He's like a 340-pound guy. Mm-hmm. Okay. Does he move good enough to play tackle in this scheme? You know McGlinchey can because he's playing in it right now. You know, so, you know, there's some people that already answer the question for you just by knowing what they're doing for the teams that they play for. J2K has uh, says the biggest question this offseason is, are there 20 to 25 free agents that we can sign that actually will be good enough? Or does this rebuild take yet another year to fill the team out? Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't think I can answer that. You got to be lucky. Yep. Okay. And, and you know, you, had a, you signed a, right off the bat, they signed a guy they thought was going to be the three technique and be a hell of a player for him. And he can't pass a physical. And that, set you back a couple of days in a free agency, you can't get set back. You know, it, it, it's, it's part of the system. You know, when, when you get a thing like that, well, it's too bad we couldn't give them a physical beforehand. You know, like maybe all these would be free agents should be able to take a physical, you know, like they do at the combine. And, and find that out. But you know what? That's part of the risk reward of free agency. Mm-hmm. Uh, Renewable has a question about uh, Simeon. Uh, will he make this offensive line look more proficient or the offense because of uh, his experience in anticipatory uh, 
throws. It was an interesting article in Sports Illustrated by Gene Chamberlain today where he talked about what some of the benefits and some of the negatives will be if Trevor Simeon is the starting quarterback Sunday against the Jets. What do you think he could potentially help this team with? Well, the one thing we know he can't do is extend plays with his feet like <laughs> Justin Fields does. So there's times when Justin's been dead man walking back there, but has been able to escape from it. Okay, so now, you know, the, the pass protection, they got to do a little better job in pass protection. And to give Trevor Sidney enough time to get the ball out of his hand. Now, there's going to be things because of his experience and his know-how that he's going to react more quickly than Justin does. Mm -hmm. So it'll be there's going to be some things that he does better. And I guarantee if he plays good, you know what the shit, what shit's going to start. <laughs> oh, yes. Okay. So. <laughs> That's right. Study with Mike North, my good friend, Mike North. Because <laughs> he's off. He wants pocket passers, pocket passers. That's his preference, old school uh, quarterbacking. So uh, we'll see what happens. It'll be interesting. No, no, I'll tell you what's interesting is, and, and this was back out 21 years. And there weren't any quarterbacks in the league that could really make plays with their feet. You know, the, one of the few was Jonathan McNabb. And, and then you had Michael Vick. You know, but I remember that our first training camp, or maybe with the uh, this is our first summer. With it. And, and we told them, you know, we were interested in getting a quarterback. So we were a little the curve. If we could find one that was an athletic guy that could make plays with his feet, but that, but back then they were hard to find, and now you're you're getting more and more in the college world ranks. Yeah. Uh, Cornelius asked the question, since Braxton Jones is our left tackle of the present and future, where will Alex Leatherwood play? You, that, don't you see him kind of moving inside? Uh, I, I think he could be a left guard. And, 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 uh, you know, I, I know that. I did Leatherwood when he was in Alabama. He played left tackle. He's a pretty damn good left tackle. Mm -hmm. He did not play in the left side of the Raiders. They had the left tackle. And he was terrible. Now, did they make a mistake with the draft? Or in making that transition from the left side to the right side, he just didn't do it. And so I, I think, you know, my first impression or first thought is that he's a guy that's got to be on the left side. So if you're going to play him inside, play him at left guard. Um, but I think when you look at this reality, and we've talked about it, they're trying to tear this guy down, build him back up, and he's a project for next year. Yeah, unless he absolutely has to play next year. What do you think of the theory that, hey, let's try to take a look at some of these guys before the end of the season and plug them in, you know, maybe the final game against the Vikings or whenever, uh, so that way we can make a better evaluation. So some of these guys being – I don't know, uh, Alex Leatherwood or or, uh, or Dieter Iceland or, or whoever. What do you think about that theory? I mean, it, it, it's a possibility, and part of that would be 
discussion between the front office and the coaching staff. Mm -hmm. If they're going to put up the white flag, the players are going to know that. And is that good for what you're trying to do? Mm -hmm. You know, I I, I guarantee you, the players and the coaches don't give a shit about the draft. Okay. They care about their livelihood. Mm -hmm. Playing football and coaching football. So they want to win games. Yeah. So I, I, you know, where fans want to see that, you know, I I just can't see it happen. I know starting out when we got to around game 13, you know, because Jerry never corrected some of this. Where we pick it. And then <laughs> we went two more games. What were we going to do? You know, yeah. and, and it's impossible to find out because, you know, you got to, you don't know what every other is going to do. But, you know, you give a range, but you get to the last week. And, I, you know, I get to say, okay, here, if we want, we're picking here. If we lose, we're picking here. <laughs> Well, if the season ended today, we would be picking, uh, the Chicago Bears would be picking number three overall. And one of the things that I saw on social media was our old buddy, uh, Greg Bragg said, uh, bookmark this tweet, the Chicago Bears, if they're picking in the top five, will trade down for multiple picks. And I immediately said, I, I didn't reply publicly, but in my mind, I said, I don't know about that. Depends on the player. Yeah, exactly. You, 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 you want to acquire difference-making players, and those are usually in the top three, five picks. True. So, and if you're correct with the evaluation. Right. But then, you know, you look at it. Okay, let's, let's, let's say, you know, they don't have the opportunity to sign an edge guy in free agency. And so that might be the number one meeting. And they're sitting there, and it's – uh, and, and they're looking at, at uh, Anderson from Alabama. But then they think, yeah, he's a little like Anderson. Maybe, maybe he's not the right fit. But if we trade down five spots, we might be able to get Wilson from Texas Tech. And he's a better fit. Okay. But you're making those decisions before the draft starts. You know, and you're meeting leading up to the draft. And we talked about it last year. You know, you know how that works. You know, you, you set your plan, uh, and you know it, it's the meetings leading up to the draft are like a week of game preparation. You're putting together your game plan for a game. Well, it's the same thing. You're putting together a game plan for the draft, and you put together all those different scenarios. And how far back can I trade? And I'm still going to get a, a you know a player above the line at a certain level because I don't want to drop below that line. Mm-hmm. Um, Robert has an interesting question here about, uh, did you do a write-up on Valus Jones? Anybody mentioned his ability to catch the ball? And just overall, what did you think of the limited action that uh, Valus got? I was happy that he was back in the lineup and given another opportunity on kick returns and that uh, immediately uh, paid benefits with he had a 55. Yeah, almost, almost broke it. Um, I like. I had a third round grade on Velas last year. I liked him. Oh, um, and I thought he's a big play guy. Confidence enters into some of these things. Yeah, and we've talked about it. Sometimes you got to let rookies be rookies, 
and some take a little bit longer. Go back. I've said it a gazillion times what Marv Levy said. What I get out of a rookie is a bonus. I expect him to perform in year two. There you go. I think that's a great philosophy to have. And uh, speaking of uh, expectations, what were your expectations for the snowstorm in Buffalo? Because I know you've got some family down there. <laughs> Take a look at this picture here. That is my daughter's driveway after a day and a half of cleanup. Oh, my goodness. Wait a minute. I got some video here. <laughs> now, that, that is my buddy's house. Oh, my goodness. Okay, that's his driveway. In Orchard Park, that's about a mile from the Bill Stadium. Oh, my gosh. They had 70 inches of snow in Orchard Park. Now, get this. See, lake effect snow is really weird. Mm -hmm. And, you know, coming from western New York and, and you live right on Lake Erie, you, you get hit with that stuff. But it's amazing at the differences most of the time it hits south of the city. Mm -hmm. Okay, where my daughter lives, so that's the, the picture on the left, mm -hmm. they got about 20 to 22 inches of snow. Okay, that's South Buffalo. She's in the city limits. Mm -hmm. Go just a few miles farther. It's not even more than five miles. Where Orchard Park is, triple. They got over 70 inches. Wow. Now you go 10 miles north, 14 miles north, and you look at the picture on the right. That's my other daughter's driveway. Amazing. So you got about three inches. And that happens all the time there where, you know, the, the south towns get clobbered and the north suburbs get nothing. Mm -hmm. Wow. And I, I, I've been, I, I remember this is when I was first starting out in scouting and, and I was, uh, you know, my mentor I've mentioned before is Norm Pollum, who was the director of player personnel for the Bills back at the time. You know, we were supposed to have dinner with him one night. And where I lived on Grand Island, New York, it was sunny. You know, it was probably 30 degrees and sunny. He was getting a foot of snow. Mm. <laughs> and, and that happens all the time. Lake effect is so, so strange in that area. And at last... Until the lake, you know, Lake Erie is the only great lake that freezes over completely. Wow, I didn't and, know that. Yeah, because it's the shallowest. Mm. And so that lake effect stuff lasts until the, the lake freezes over. And that'll go into, depending on how cold it gets, but that'll usually takes into about mid January. Once you get past that, that lake effect stuff is, is history. Mm hmm. Well, this has been another great GTF, Gabriel Talks Football. Lots of great information. Uh, we'll be talking more about the draft, but uh, next week we'll be, we're going to be talking about the Bears and Jets game. I want to spend some time talking about that because that's going to bring all sorts of possibilities. I got to ask you before I let you go, what did you think about the post-game performance after a pathetic on-field performance by quarterback Zach Wilson, and what I'm referring to, of course, is Wilson, the young quarterback, at, was asked, does he feel like he let the defense down uh, because of the putrid three points that they scored? And he said, a one-word answer, no. The boys got some issues. And I think mean, a lot of it are, are maturity issues. And that, from what I understand, I did not see the, a video of the, of the uh, interview or the presser after the game. Uh, 
but he does know how to take accountability or accept accountability for his actions. And there's another quarterback of that team up a little bit north of us who right now doesn't want to accept <laughs> responsibility and take accountability for his lousy play all year. Um, but, you know, this guy, you know, we've been seeing stuff in the media about him during the off season, you know, some of the things he's done and, and then um, just the way he's handling himself within the locker room. I don't think he's ingratiating himself to his teammates. And when the coach comes out and says, no, well, you know, we might make a switch. That's not too, that doesn't say a whole lot for him, you know, and, and, and he's the second pick in the draft. Mm-hmm. That's right. Second pick in the draft. And also there appears to be, according to some reporting, some of the players are getting sick and tired of his uh, kind of prima donna type attitude. The interesting thing about that is that there were reports coming out of Brigham Young when he was a college football player that he was spoiled. He comes from a a well-to-do family and has always uh, been spoon-fed. Mike Greenberg of uh, the Get Up Show on ESPN really laid into uh, Zach Wilson, and so the love affair, the honeymoon. Did, did the Greeny really? Did, I didn't. I didn't know that. Yeah, I'll find you the clip. And, and, and the other it. guy that that had that, and I knew about it, and this goes back to the Josh Allen draft was was Josh Rosen from from uh, UCLA. Right. So his teammates couldn't stand him. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if, if you polled each one of his teammates, they go, you know, screw him. But, you know, and, and if your teammates don't like you. And I knew right away when you started hearing that stuff, this guy was going to be a bust. Mm-hmm. And he had he another kid who was always told how great he was, had the silver spoon in his mouth. Um, but when it got tough, he couldn't perform. Mm-hmm. And you see, what, he's been on about five teams already. Yeah. Yep. And the guy who goes lower, you know, is Josh Allen, who's had a great career. He's, he's tough as nails. And, and part of it, we talk about it a lot, football character. Josh Allen's football character is way up here. Mm-hmm. I have a feeling Wilson's is down in the gutter. And, and I know Josh Rosen's is too. And, and that's the difference. And there's going to be a guy in this draft that, that, and I'm just starting to do some of the, the background now, but uh, Will Lovis from Kentucky. Yeah. He might be the most talented guy, mm-hmm. but he doesn't play with a supporting cast like Young has at Alabama right. and Stroud has at Ohio State. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you, you watch Kentucky this year, his offensive line is horrendous. Mm-hmm. You know, so, yeah. but who's going to be the better pro? That's and, 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 and th- see, that was the thing with, when you saw Josh Allen play at, at Wyoming, you know, he played good against some of those Mountain West teams. But then when he stepped up in competition like Iowa and I think Nebraska and stuff, he was terrible. But he didn't have the part of it's the supporting cast. And, and, you know, I was a little leery of him. And then I talked to a guy who said, hey, this guy – has the it factor and he is going to work and work and work. And that's exactly what it is. You know, he, he wants to be the best player on the field. Hmm. And if you don't have that, you're not going to succeed at the quarterback position. Indeed. Indeed. 
Well, really appreciate your thoughts on that and all of your thoughts over this past hour and eight minutes we're hitting. Um, we will be back next week, Monday or Tuesday, to evaluate the Bears' performance against the Jets and also field uh, more of your questions. I really, one of the things I love about doing this show is that uh, I can cut my preparation in half just because I can rely on all the great questions. <laughs> <that are coming. laughs> so this makes it an easy. No, easy we, we always have a good time with this show. Yes, we do. And we got great fans. And thank you all who have uh, joined us live. And thank you those who will be uh, watching or listening on demand, either uh, on your audio podcast or on YouTube. Greg, we'll see, Greg, we'll see you uh, next week. And have a happy, happy, happy Thanksgiving. You got a lot of family coming over? Uh, no, no. In fact, this is the first time that we're not having dinner here. We're going someplace else. We're going to people's house for dinner. Well, great. Have a good time. I'm I'm sure. Uh, yeah, I'm going to miss my own dressing, though. I love it. I love making that. I might make a turkey later in the weekend just so I can have that. There you go. <laughs> well, you have my phone number. <laughs> Take care, my friend. Okay, we'll see you later. Hey, goodbye, everybody. <laughs> Thank you.